the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. God has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son. So we read this in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 about Zebulun and Naphtali and how they sat in darkness and how that was a land dwelling in the shadow of death. That's our story too. You know, Jesus still numbers himself with transgressors. He still chooses to dwell among those who are in darkness so that he can reveal himself. The consistency between the 66 books of the Bible, having been written across multiple centuries, is absolutely incredible. Perhaps one of the greatest pleasures we as believers have is discovering glimpses of the New Testament within pages of the Old Testament. In today's message, Pastor Dan draws our attention to one of the many glimpses of the gospel found in the book of Isaiah. In his study, you'll learn a prophetic illustration of how Jesus would one day come to seek the lost, broken, and in need. And now, open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Isaiah chapter 9, Matthew 4, Luke 4. Well, this section of Isaiah, if you remember, uh, this is during the reign of King Ahaz over Judah. Uh, He was a wicked king. Uh, And if you remember where we are in the story, the northern kingdom of Israel has allied with Syria, and they're threatening to invade the southern kingdom of Judah. They're amassing troops on the border. They're planning to attack Jerusalem and overthrow King Ahaz. And so the people of the southern kingdom of Judah are very uh, fearful at this point. And King Ahaz did not look to the Lord to save him and to save his kingdom. Instead, he looked to Assyria. Uh, Assyria was the world uh, superpower at that time. And he looked to Assyria to defend his kingdom. And if you remember, he paid the king of Assyria a large sum of money to defend him from any invasion that might take place. Uh, And so Ahaz put his trust in man instead of putting his trust in the Lord God. And then we saw in chapter 8 last time uh, that the Lord, through the prophet Isaiah, warned Ahaz and warned the people of Judah of the folly of trusting in Assyria for help. Uh, In fact, the Lord warned Ahaz that the king of Assyria will bring his army and actually invade into Judah. Uh, This this king that uh, Ahaz is looking to to rescue him and save him and defend him, 
that that same king and his army will come and invade into the kingdom of Judah. And he described it like a flood coming into the land uh, and, and flooding throughout the kingdom of Judah, conquering every city except for the city of Jerusalem. Uh, in fact, if you look back in chapter 8, verse 22, it says, Then they will look to the earth and see trouble and darkness, gloom and anguish, and they will be driven into darkness. And so very dark days were coming for the kingdom of Judah because they turned away from the Lord and they rebelled against the Lord and the Assyrians are going to invade into their land if they don't repent and they don't repent. Uh, And the Assyrian military, the Assyrian army was very, very brutal to people that they conquered. Uh, The Assyrians usually when they would conquer a, a, a nation or conquer a people, Uh, they would mutilate the citizens of that country. Uh, They would cut off their ears or gouge out their eyes or cut out their tongue uh, just just to demoralize the people. Uh, There's accounts of the Assyrian military surrounding cities, and when the cities were surrounded, instead of surrendering, the people in those cities just committed mass suicide because it was better to be dead than to be in the hands of the Assyrian military. Uh, and, And so... That's the kind of brutality that the Assyrians used. And the Lord is is warning Judah and King Ahaz that they're going to come and invade your land and just flood the land and conquer every city but the city of Jerusalem if you don't repent and turn to the Lord. The Lord is is saying all of this to Ahaz and to Judah to try to get them to repent. Now, chapter 9 tonight. Uh, Chapter 9 continues with this same discussion. Uh, There were no chapter breaks in the original text. Uh, The chapters and verses were added later for for our benefit, so that when I say turn your your Bible to Isaiah chapter 9, we're not going to spend the next 45 minutes of you trying to find where that is. You can turn right to it. So that's for our benefit. But it wasn't there in the original text that Isaiah penned And so chapter 9 is just a continuation of chapter 8. And chapter 9 begins with the word, nevertheless, which is a wonderful word. Nevertheless, God just described all of this doom and gloom and anguish and darkness that will come upon Judah and Israel at the hands of Assyria. And then he says, nevertheless, nevertheless. The gloom will not be upon her who is distressed, as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, in Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. So the Lord says the darkness and the gloom will not go on forever. It's temporary. It's temporary. Now, though darkness may last for the night, joy comes in the morning. There's hope in the future for Judah. And he mentions here the land of uh, Zebulun and Naphtali. He says of Zebulun and Naphtali that they walked in darkness, 
that they dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, but they will see a great light, and upon them this light will shine. There's a, there's a brighter future coming for them. They're, they're going through this trial. They're going through this chastening right now, but it's going to end. It's temporary, and there's a brighter future ahead. Now, Zebulun and Naphtali are in the northern part of Israel. Uh, they're in the Galilee region. You have a map in the back of your Bible that shows where the 12 tribes of Israel settled in the land. You'll see that uh, Naphtali and Zebulun were all the way in the north, or the northern border of Israel. They're, they're on the frontier at the northern end of Israel. And so when Assyria invades into the land of Israel, Assyria will invade through Zebulun and through Naphtali. Zebulun and Naphtali were the first to be invaded. They're the first to be conquered. They're the first to suffer at the hands of the Assyrians. And they suffered uh, more at the hands of the Assyrians, really, than the rest of Israel did. Uh, That's why the Lord describes that land as the land uh, that was in the shadow of death. They dwelt in the land of the shadow of death because of the Assyrians coming in. To that region. And the promise here in verse 2 is that this land, though it's in darkness under Assyria, it will one day see a great light. And Matthew quotes this passage in Matthew chapter 4 and tells us that Jesus is the fulfillment of this promise here in Isaiah 9 2. If you want to turn with me over to Matthew chapter 4, we'll look at that together. Matthew chapter 4. Remember, Zebulun and Naphtali are that, that area up around the Sea of Galilee and just above the Sea of Galilee and the Upper Galilee. That, that's all Zebulun and Naphtali. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 13, it says of Jesus, And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali. And the reason he did this was that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, by the way of the sea, that's the name of the the trade route that goes from Damascus down to Egypt, the way of the sea, the Via Maris. And it passes through that area, just north of the Sea of Galilee, So that's what that's referring to. By the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. There was a Gentile population that settled that area. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. And so Matthew tells us here that Jesus is the fulfillment of this promise back in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. When he came and he settled in Capernaum and he lived and ministered there in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. He was the great light that shined in that area. Eighty to ninety percent of Jesus's ministry that's recorded for us in the Gospels takes place right there around the Sea of Galilee. Just think about that. Eighty to ninety percent of everything that you read about in the Gospels, it happens right there in that region of Zebulun and Naphtali, most of it right on the shores of the Sea of of Galilee, 
really in a region that's only about five or six miles long there on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And so Jesus, you know, when he came to the earth, when God uh, became a man and dwelt among us, he didn't go to Jerusalem and spend 80 to 90% of his time in Jerusalem among the religious leaders. And he didn't go to Athens among the philosophers of the day. Uh, He didn't go to the Far East among the Eastern mystics. He didn't go to Rome, the center of uh, military and political power of the ancient world. When God became a man, he chose to dwell in Zebulun and Naphtali. He, He chose to dwell among those who sat in darkness, those who dwelt in the land that was in the shadow of death. That's where the Lord chose to spend most of his time among those people, those who were sitting in darkness and living in darkness and in the shadow of death. And to them he came, and he was this great light to them. And in much the same way, we sat in darkness, right? I mean, we're just like Zebulun and Naphtali and the people of that region. We were living in the shadow of death, all of us. And Jesus came into our life and he shined his light into our hearts and he revealed himself to us and he revealed the gospel to us. You know, and we that sat in darkness have seen a great light and we no longer dwell in the shadow of death. The light of Jesus Christ has shined in our hearts. You know, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 says, Once we were full of darkness, but now we have light from the Lord. First Peter chapter 2 verse 9 says, God has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And Colossians chapter 1 verse 13, God has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. So we read this in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 about Zebulun and Naphtali and how they sat in darkness and how that was a land dwelling in the shadow of death. That's our story too. You know, Jesus still numbers himself with transgressors. He still chooses to dwell among those who are in darkness so that he can reveal himself to them and let his light shine before them. So now back in Isaiah chapter 9, beginning here in verse 3, verse 3 looks ahead to the kingdom age when Jesus Christ returns to the earth and establishes his kingdom on the earth and he rules as the king of kings over all the nations, you have multiplied the nations and increased its joy. They rejoiced before you according to the joy of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For, here's why they rejoice, for you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. Verse 3 tells us that when Jesus Christ comes and he reigns upon the earth, that his kingdom, his reigning, his ruling upon the earth will will bring joy upon all of the earth. People will rejoice because Jesus Christ is the king. They'll rejoice, it says, just as men rejoice at at the harvest time. Harvest was a time of great celebration. 
uh, because all of your labor throughout the whole year as a farmer, working in those fields and tending to your crops, harvest time, now you get the reward. Now you get the payoff. It's, it's payday, you know, and now you get the reward of all of your labor. And so usually when, the, when they would have a harvest, they would throw a big celebration, have a big feast. They would rejoice in God's provision for them. And it was just a joyous, joyous time. Uh, in Psalm 126, it says there, Those who sow their seed in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. It's, it's a time of rejoicing and celebrating. And so it will be when the Lord is reigning upon the earth. It will be a time of rejoicing. Uh, people will rejoice as they do at the harvest time. It says, people will rejoice like men who divide the spoil after a battle, celebrating their victory. Verse 4 tells us that when Christ reigns upon the earth, there'll be no more oppression upon the earth. The, the yoke of oppression will be broken by Jesus Christ. The burden will be lifted. He says at the end of verse 4, just as it was in the days of Midian. That's a reference to the time of Gideon. Uh, back in Judges chapter 7. And if you remember when the Midianites, they came and they invaded the land and they took people's houses and they took people's crops and the people had to go and live in the caves in the mountains. They lost their homes. They lost their jobs. They lost their income. And they lived in fear. Remember Gideon, when the, when the Lord appears to Gideon and calls Gideon, Gideon is hiding, right? When the Lord appears to him. And at that time, remember, the Lord delivered uh, Israel through the hand of Gideon with just 300 men against 135,000 men. And the Lord just miraculously defeated Midian and the children of Israel celebrated the victory that they had in the Lord. And here in verse 4, it's telling us that in the days of Christ's kingdom, the kingdom age, it'll be like in the day of Midian, when God delivered Israel from the Midianites, God lifts that yoke and lifts that burden of oppression off of his people and the people celebrate. In verse 5, it says that there, there will be no more war when Jesus Christ is reigning upon the, the earth. In Psalm 46, it says he causes wars to end throughout the earth. Won't that be glorious? Just think about that. Think about what it's saying there. That war will be extinct from the earth when Christ is reigning as King of Kings. Now, verse 6 tells us how the Messiah will come. And verse 6, of course, is a very familiar verse to us, especially you know, just coming through the Christmas season last month. And uh, it's, it's a very familiar passage. This Messiah will come, it says in verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. So from a human perspective, from our perspective here on the earth, the child is born. Jesus Christ was born to Mary. That's the Christmas story, that he's born to the virgin. But from God's perspective, Jesus is a son that's given. 
And so he's both the child that is born, that's from our point of view, but he's also the son that's given. That's God's point of view. And we know the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his son, Jesus Christ, and he gave him to us, he gave him for us to die on the cross for our sins to rescue us. And so here in verse 6, you have uh, both the humanity of Jesus Christ, he's a child born, and you have the deity of Jesus Christ. He's the Son of God given to mankind to rescue mankind. Now, the rest of verse 6 is speaking of the second coming of Jesus Christ. So in the first half of the verse, it speaks of his first coming when he was born as a child, given as a son. The rest of the verse now is describing his second coming and the time of the kingdom age when he's ruling upon uh, the earth. So, so you have both of them in one verse here. You know, um, Turn with me over to Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. If you remember in, uh, in Luke's gospel... Uh, Luke chapter 4, we're told that when Jesus was in the synagogue in Nazareth, uh, he was handed the scroll of Isaiah, and he opened Isaiah 61, and he began to read from Isaiah 61, verse 1, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then, if you remember, Jesus stops right there and says he closes the scroll, hands it back to the attendant, and then he sits down and he begins to teach. He stops in the middle of that verse. He stops in the middle of verse 2. He stops at the comma. The reason he stops in the middle of that verse is because everything he read up to that point is descri- describes his first coming. The ministry that he had in his, his first advent. He came the first time to preach good tidings to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of prisons to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's his first coming. The second half of verse 2 is speaking of his second coming. The second half of verse 2 says, and the day of vengeance of our God. That's his second coming. That's why he stops in the middle of the verse. So here here you have again in verse 2 an example of where half of the verse is speaking of his first advent and the other half of the verse, the second half, is speaking of his second advent. He asked me how I know and I say brings true That's all we have time for today on Ring of Truth. We're so glad you joined Pastor Dan Sexton for his verse-by-verse study through the book of Isaiah. This extraordinary book is quoted in the New Testament more than any other Old Testament book. Plus, it provides us with the most comprehensive picture of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. It includes the full scope of his life and ministry, from his virgin birth to his sacrificial death to his resurrection and second coming in glory. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you'll be able to find it on our website, calvaryec.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an edition of this program. That website again is calvaryec.com. 
We'd love to hear from you, too, and learn how Ring of Truth has blessed you. Please take some time soon to give us a call at 410-491-4592. Let us know how God is working in your life and if there's anything that we can be praying for during this study of Isaiah. That number again is 410-491-4592. With that, our time with you has come to an end. We pray the Lord bless and keep you and that your faith is deepened with each passing day. Tune in next time to continue our study of the book of Isaiah right here on Ring of Truth. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.